You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lesko, along with your host, James Rapine. Got a lot to talk about today. A free agency signing that did more to annoy me, quite frankly, than it did to excite me. But maybe I'm just having a bad day, too. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. James, let's start with the free agent signing and visit of Wednesday. Ricardo Allen, who visited with the Bengals, it feels like a year ago at this point. But of course, it wasn't actually that long ago, and he has consummated that deal. A one-year contract with the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll talk a little bit about what he brings as a depth piece to the Bengals' safety room. The Bengals also hosted Ryan Kerrigan for a visit that was reported on the NFL transaction wire. My understanding is that when visits are reported on the transaction wire, that usually means they're finished. Malik Wright tells us that the visit is ongoing. I think that it would not be at all surprising if that Ryan Kerrigan deal gets done. That's another name that I had heard the Bengals were interested in before the free agency period started. We'll come back to Ryan Kerrigan in just a second. Ricardo Allen actually did sign today. Former Falcons safety was really good for them a while ago. And at this point is going to be a depth piece. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out there in some three safety packages. Lou Anarumo did like that last year. And he is primarily going to be the backup free safety. Doesn't move the needle a whole lot for me though, James. And the reason I mentioned it kind of made me A little angry this morning is, A, because, like I said, I think I'm having a bit of a rocky day. But, B, can we (laughs) sign an offensive lineman, for for the love of God, to to start on this team, please? And that's the problem. Ricardo Allen, bringing him in in a vacuum, it's fine. He's replacing Sean Williams, obviously has ties to Lou Anarumo dating back to Purdue. It makes a lot of sense to, to add him. Right? And you can make the case for a lot of these guys. Heck, we talked about it with Eli Apple. On yesterday's show, there was kind of decent reason for for doing it. But the fact that there's been so many of these and so many assets dedicated to fixing this defense, I I, uh, exchanged a couple text messages with a a couple of people I trust. I was like, man, the Bengals defense better be pretty damn good in 2021. And that's the crazy part about this, Jake, is I look at the personnel versus 2020 and this is the the biggest criticism of them, because if you're going to make a move or make a bunch of moves to upgrade a position group or a, a an entire unit, an entire side of the ball, you would expect it to be much better. But on paper, they aren't much better. And we'll get to Ryan Kerrigan in a second, but they they still have plenty of weaknesses and question marks. And so I that that that's the problem with me or for me. It's one thing if you ignored offensive line to a degree and you're going to have this elite defense. I don't know if they're going to be top 20 in the league in 2021. I mean, that falls on Lou Anarumo at this point, right? I mean, here's a list of the guys the Bengals have signed for Lou Anarumo in the last two years. DJ Reader, Trey Waynes, Trey Hendrickson, Von Bell, Shinobe Awuzie, Mike Hilton, Larry Ogunjobi to start. That's seven starters. 
Am I counting that right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven starters. Yeah, I counted it right. I can count. Good news. They've also signed two backups for him in Eli Apple and Ricardo Allen. And I assume that both of those guys are going to get rotational playing time, knowing the way that Lou Anarumo likes to rotate guys in the secondary. And here's the guys they've signed to start on offense, James. Riley Reef, Xavier Suofilo, maybe Quentin Spain. They signed one backup that, that's really noteworthy on the offense. And Mike Thomas, you can talk about Samaj P. Ryan too. And I like Samaj P. Ryan. And I like some of these guys they've signed. The problem is just a move they haven't made. And this has been the recurring theme for me the last few days is I don't dislike any of the moves they've made necessarily in a vacuum, but it's the moves they haven't made that that really get me. And and that's William Jackson and Carl Lawson. And and I understand that they replaced those guys. And it's it's the offensive line. You've you've signed Riley Reef. And there's a couple of guys we're going to talk about coming up in segment two that they might sign to help bolster depth for that interior offensive line. But how much better would we feel right now if Matt Filer was one of those guys? I, I we went way on a tangent here. We were going to talk about Ryan Kerrigan, and and maybe we should go there next. What do you think, James? Yeah, let's talk about Ryan Kerrigan because for the first time, really, th- this is a a player that even at this stage of his career, considering what they had last year, I think, oh, okay, there's the argument that, you know, there's a sign that the defense could be better in 2021 because Carlos Dunlap, while still capable, was clearly checked out and wanted to force his way out of town. And part of that has to do with Luana Rumo, but I don't want to talk about that right now. The, the, the fact is, is they need another edge rusher. Ryan Kerrigan, his worst two seasons, and unfortunately they've been the past two, he still finished with five and a half sacks in each of those seasons. He's dealt with some injuries, but he's played through a lot of them. He's a tough dude dating back to, to Purdue. So there's your tie again. If he's going to leave Washington, I would love for it to be Cincinnati. In an, idea, in an ideal world, you get a guy like that, a veteran edge, and then maybe you draft an edge in rounds three, four, in that range. Maybe they end up taking him in round two. Who knows? But you draft a young edge that can develop behind Kerrigan and kind of learn from him, and, and you're not banking on him right away. I like it. But the money matters, and it certainly can't get in the way of upgrading the offensive line, which is obviously the biggest need. But I like that they brought him in, and I think he would work pretty well with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard. Absolutely. Rotational pass rush piece. You minimize the snaps. You maximize his pass rushing snaps. Specifically, you get him in a sub package. I can see the fit. I can see where you could try to get a little bit more production out of Ryan Kerrigan, who I think has pretty clearly been declining for the last two, three years as he's getting deeper into his 30s here, but has been a very underrated player and underheralded player on that Washington football team defense for a very long time now, been in the league since 2011, has piled up 107 sacks according to PFF in his career. If he had done that on the Bengals, he would be their their leading sacker in mm-hmm. in team history, I believe. He so, would. There you go. I mean, that that's a very productive career for a guy like Kerrigan. And, and you get some production out of him. Great. Sign me up. The money shouldn't be huge at this point in his career, James. The the thing you mentioned there that, that I really am starting to wonder about, despite our report or our podcast title two days ago, the Bengals aren't done in free agency. And here's why. That was a podcast title for Monday's show is how are you going to use the rest of your cap space? What are the moves that are coming? You, you've structured Riley Reese's deal in such a way that you indicated there's a preference to continue to spend. Well, maybe it's Nick Easton. Maybe 
It's Brett Jones. Maybe those guys start to eat into some of that money. We'll talk about the two of those players and the moves that maybe they should be making, which we're going to belabor the point, I guess, here at the interior offensive line (laughs) coming up next. We talk about it all the time here on Locked On Bengals. RockAuto.com is the place to go for all of your auto parts needs. The weather's getting better. You're working in the driveway. You want to upgrade that car. You want to just change out the filter so you're bringing in really nice and breathing in really nice clean air. Well, you can do that for value. Save money at RockAuto.com. They're a family business. They've served auto parts customers online for over two decades. Go there right now and shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. It doesn't matter what you drive. They're going to have it at rockauto.com. So go there right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Everybody knows March Madness is going on right now, but Built Bar has their own bracket, and we are in the enticing eight the round of eight built bars as we continue on the path to find the best built bar. My favorite, my personal favorite, won the Tuesday matchup chocolate brownie chunk edging out lemon almond cheesecake. And on Thursday, it'll be mint brownie against coconut puff. No matter what your favorite flavor is, built bar with their high protein, high fiber, low sugar, low calorie protein bar tastes like a candy bar covered in 100% real chocolate will have a flavor that you love. Go check it out at BuiltBar.com. We've got a promo code for you, LOCKED15. You'll save 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to save 15% at BuiltBar.com. Well, you asked for it, Bengals fans, and the team is delivering. Offensive line help. Jake, all that complaining. They're going after Brett Jones, according to Chris Thomason of the St. Paul Pioneer Press in Minnesota the former Vikings center and guard. Well, he's drawing interest from the Vikings, also from Houston, also Dallas, Denver, and Cincinnati. So see, Jake, the Bengals, they are trying to solve their offensive line issues. Okay, I'm done with the uh, with the spiel here. Yeah, the, the Bengals reportedly interested in Brett Jones. He's a backup lineman. And again, on the surface, Jake, this is fine. I love the idea, personally, of the Bengals signing a proven center slash guard. So let's say Trey Hopkins has a setback and he can't start week one or he can't start the first four or five weeks of the year that you're not just relying on Billy Price, that you have someone else. And given the the issues at guard last season, I don't want to be one injury away from Michael Jordan blocking for Joe Burrow in week one, which could obviously happen in training camp, could obviously happen in the preseason because I think there'll be preseason games this year. And so... I love the idea of adding one of these guys. I just don't want them to be starters. Yeah. I mean, that that's a pretty good summary. They should not be your plan A to start, but you're right. This These two guys, and it's, and it's Brett Jones, and it's Nick Easton. The, the tweet that I saw was that the Texans and Bengals are interested in both guys, and one guy's going to go to Houston, and the other guy's going to go to Cincinnati, was, was the speculation that I saw. And it would be fine. It's just not an upgrade. It's a, it's a depth piece. It's a good depth piece. If you have Brett Jones and you need to start Brett Jones at center for a few games, you're going to be okay. Like you said, James, if he's your guy that's backing up Trey Hopkins, is backing up right guard, fine. 
If that means that whoever loses a Quentin Spain, Xavier Suofilo battle is backing up left guard. Okay. But it, it can't be the starting answer. Brett Jones has been a really good pass blocker throughout his career. I talked to Luke Braun a little bit before we started recording. I found one of his threads from 2019 that, that shows you the struggles Brett Jones has at the second level and, and in space as a run blocker in particular. There's another thread I retweeted that shows off some of his strengths coming off of a, a really good year where he played a lot of snaps for the Giants in 2017. He played a lot of center that year. And he had some really good pass blocking reps against Aaron Donald of all people. But you, you need to be, Luke used the word, Luke Braun from, from Lockdown Vikings. He used the words game warpingly bad in run blocking in space. And and when you have a guy that's as good of a, of a pass blocker as, as he is in Brett Jones, I'm talking about, and he doesn't get on the field for Minnesota for two years. Well, there's a pretty clear reason why in Luke's estimation, and there's some good video evidence to back it up. And that's the problem. And again, at this stage in free agency, Jake, there's there's going to be flaws and flies in the ointment, right? And so a backup is going to have issues. I'm okay with that. I love bringing an experienced guy, but that's why you can't bank on him to be a starter. That's why you can't look at his pro football focus grade. And I'm talking about Jones here and be like, Oh, well, he was in the 70s. Upgrade. Eh, he he was in the 70s overall, and I think it was like a 76, but it was all green. And anytime you see green when you go to PFF, you're like, hell yeah, dude, sign him because he's an upgrade <laughs> to the Bengals offensive line because it's been so bad. But he just didn't play a lot, which is fine. I'm okay with that in a pinch. I'm okay with that if Billy Price, you know, tweaks a hamstring or, or is is dinged up. And it needs someone else to back him up. And the other thing here is competition. If the Bengals weren't going to go out and get these rock solid high end guards and tack, you know, tackles, and I guess you could say they did with Reef, but you you get my point. If they weren't going to do that, well, then go get a bunch of guys, like you said, the Bills shotgun approach. We've talked about it a lot. And I'm okay with bringing Jones in because he's versatile, because he can be a backup. And and who knows? Maybe he has a good camp and plays his way, outplays Xavier Suofilo. Right, you know, that or outplays Billy Price and earns a starting spot week one. It doesn't mean he'll be starting in week seven, but I'm okay with bringing in guys like that. And so, should they do it, sign me up, but it cannot get in the way of the right guard spot, which we've talked about a ton. Trey Turner, Larry Warford, come on down. And hopefully, Larry Warford's working out, by the way. Side note, he had some weight issues at the end of his his days in new Orleans and then they released him and then he took a year off because you know, he opted out, which is fine, but I just hope he's working out and in shape and ready to go because he's, he's a guy that still can make some money if he's, if he's willing to put in the work. Yeah. And like I said yesterday, maybe it's a trade or, or maybe it's a draft pick Ugh. that that comes yeah. in. But I mean, I just, I just all off season we talked about, we don't want to get to the point where you have to draft a starter on the offensive line. Maybe if it's Penny Sewell, we were okay with that. Maybe if it's a trade back and it's a Rashawn Slater, there's a world where that can return enough value and that's okay. I know you hate it, James. I know you do. But there's yeah. a world where that can be okay. I don't think it's the ideal world. And they've they've kind of set themselves up to be in, in a position where there's a lot of pressure in the draft. And we talked 
a lot about trying to avoid that problem. And we heard Duke Tobin talk about we need to get better up front. And we heard Brian Callahan tell us on this podcast that they need to get better up front. It wasn't the same thing as last year where there was a lot of projected confidence from the team. We even asked Brian Callahan, you know, what went wrong from that period where you had a lot of confidence and then it didn't go well. And and I think that they, they learned at least something from that mistake. But their actions in free agency have not borne that out and have instead been reflective of a team that still doesn't highly value the guard position and would rather go pay a John Miller or a Xavier Suofilo two and a half million dollars and say, hey, you're a starter now. It worked that one time with Bobby Williams. So clearly we can get it going again, you know? I mean, I don't know. On the other hand, you, you got uh, Frank Pollock out at the USC Pro Day today working out Elijah Vera Tucker. There were some really interesting workouts at Pro Days today, and Elijah Vera Tucker will be one of those that we talk about. So, James, let's talk about some Pro Days, Elijah Vera Tucker among them, and look for a little bit of hope coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but as Jake mentioned, the NFL draft five weeks away, which means you need to get in on the action. Plenty of prop bets that you can check out. Plus, March Madness, it's the Sweet 16. Get in on the action now. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. So head to betonline.ag right now. Make sure you use them for all the news scores and odds, and make sure when you sign up, you use promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Act now, do it now, get in on the action. BetOnline.ag, promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Elijah Vera Tucker. Mixed bag at his University of Southern California Pro Day. Both USC's today, James, by the way, having their Pro Days. South Carolina, Southern California, just to confuse the hell out of everybody. But on the West Coast, Elijah Vera Tucker draws our attention for this segment. Frank Pollock was putting Vera Tucker through the drills. He measured with very short arms, 32 and 1 8 inch arms, at 6'4", 308. So the size grade for Elijah Vera Tucker to play tackle in the NFL is going to be pretty poor. He's about average for weight. He's a little bit short, and the arm length is well below the thresholds that most teams generally use for tackle. One guy that is sub 33-inch arms and has a track record in the NFL of playing well at tackle by the way, is Matt Filer. He's also sub 33-inch arms, and for the Pittsburgh Steelers, had a really good year at right tackle. So Elijah Vera Tucker could provide that sort of versatility where he can be a very, very good guard. But even for a guard, his arm length is, is relatively short. But the rest of his testing numbers, James, especially for interior offensive line, are really strong and put him in the top 90-plus percentile of athleticism according to his relative athletic score from from MathBomb at MathBomb on Twitter. So really good testing, but but subpar arm length, and we know Frank Pollock was there working with him. So he's been projected by most folks, I think, to be a mid-first round pick. 
But Frank Pollock out there showing that extended interest, I mean, certainly due diligence. But if he gets there in the second round, with the way they've gone and, and putting money into Riley Reef and not doing much at guard, that gets to be really, really attractive because he's a great prospect. Home run would be a home run. I want him. Sign me up at 38, I, regardless of what they do. Well, not regardless of what they do at five. But I, I like him a lot. He was talking to NFL Network, and he was like, yeah, I would love to play tackle. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he ends up becoming a tackle. But that's why you bring in Riley Reef. That's why the Bengals are set up to do exactly that. And maybe Elijah Vera Tucker, you, you look at some of these other prospects, I wouldn't be shocked if some of these other tackles move up a bit and people are like, ah, do I want to take a guard here? A and yet I still don't know if he'll fall to 38. I think that's really, really, and I think he did on one of our mock draft Mondays a couple months ago, mm -hmm. but I, I think it's really optimistic, but you never know. And I like that the Bengals are doing their due diligence. And if he did somehow fall there to 38, outside of already having, you know, taken Penny Sewell, if it's anybody else at five or the Slater debacle, I guess, uh, then I think, and even if you did take Slater, I guess maybe you do uh, consider Vera Tucker. I think he's probably the best player on the board if he falls to 38. And I do like that Frank Pollock was working with him. If they take Slater, James, that means they've traded back. And it means they can also take somebody else, hopefully in the second round, if they're getting Slater, because hopefully that means they've added a second round pick. But really liked Vera Tucker's testing overall. If he if he is a guard in the NFL, by the way, 98th percentile athlete, unofficial score from Math Bomb, Kentley Platt relative athletic score, a tackle, again, a little bit worse, just over 90th percentile. But I mean, really good tape for Vera Tucker really strong, good agility testing, uh, good speed testing. So overall, very, very strong athlete, very strong prospect. The other one that's really noteworthy or maybe the most noteworthy of the day was JC Horn, Joe Horn's mm -hmm. son. I don't think that he's even remotely a possibility for the Bengals unless they somehow add another first round pick. But I, I don't think they're looking at corner after signing about 12 corners this offseason. Are you sure? Are, are you sure they're not looking at corner? I mean, I think Luke could use another toy. Why do you do this to me? It hurts so much. <laughs> I mean, come uh, on. Seven cornerbacks, baby. We're in here. Bengals yep. defense 2021. Uh-huh. Well, you know yeah, what? Maybe, maybe if they had drafted a corner at some point, we wouldn't be sitting here signing 12 corners in the off season because they haven't hit on a drafted quarter. Apparently they don't, they don't like Darius Phillips either because they just signed Eli Apple. And I was going to say they haven't hit on a corner since Darius Phillips, but I, I guess that doesn't count judging from their actions this off season. They don't trust him to be their guy back there. JC Horn though, tested great 99th percentile ish athlete. Uh, that might not be exactly precise, but really, really good size. But, but like uh, Patrick Sertain yesterday, I guess, for, for Alabama, didn't do his agility testing. And as you know, when you don't do agility testing, you generally probably know you're not going to do very well there. And I think some of that stiffness change of direction does show up on tape. But I think J.C. Horn could work his way into the top half of the first round. And that could be good news for the Bengals, you know. The more defensive players that get picked in the first round, the happier I am. 
The last two years, they've gone offense, offense in the first and second round. And maybe that's why they're spending so many of their free agency resources on defensive players, James. But if they go offense, offense again, and it's a a pass catcher and an offensive lineman in some order, if they're guys we like, then that can go a long way in fixing things. But again, we're, we're relying on rookies at that point, and that's where I just get a little uncomfortable. Heck, it, it, depending on what happens, it might be offense, offense, offense. It might be triple O's on the first two days of the, the NFL draft, and then they call Lou like, all right, now that you've uh, fixed your free agent depth chart with a bunch of new faces, we can bring you back in for the final day of the draft and, and draft a couple guys on defense. But yeah, I... I uh, you were talking about corner and just the, the the fifth overall pick. If they hadn't made so many additions, I think that would be something we would were talking about some with William Jackson the third leaving. But I don't think it's in play here. But he is a freak athlete, and uh, well, hopefully they address offensive line. Man, it's just kind of lingering over us now, and it, it it's one of those things where maybe they're just banking on Sewell being there, or maybe they're just really comfortable with. Sewell and Slater, and I'll be honest with you, Jake, if they take Slater with the fifth pick, I'm not going to be a happy camper, and I'm going to crush him. So I'm just letting you guys know now that that's going to happen. I I don't think that – I think I agree with you. Let's just say that. I'm not going to make any predictions here because after the Billy Price pick and and, you know some of their history – I don't know what they'll do at five, but I would expect that if Penny Sewell is gone, I would I would expect that they'll pick one of Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. I, I at least hope. Or, or they're trading back. And if they're trading back, adding a second and a fourth or a second and a future or a second and a third round pick, then I can see Rashawn Slater being okay. But let's not go too far down that road yet. We have plenty of time for Mock Draft Mondays and Draft Conversation to talk about Rashawn Slater Another guy that I do want to talk about, though, that Mark Duffner was down at Coastal Carolina's Pro Day, or maybe it was, no, I think it actually was at Coastal Carolina. Some of these smaller schools send their guys to work out at some of the bigger schools' Pro Days, but Mark Duffner was working out Taron Jackson. PFF has him as a sixth rounder, but he was very, very productive for the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. I just wanted to say Chanticleer. He's listed at 6'2", 260, had nine sacks in 2020, 13 sacks in 2019 to go along with uh, uh, quite a lot of pressures as well. Very productive pass rusher, solid edge defender as well. But the quality of competition, obviously not great. And, you know, I'm not sure he's, he's a bit of a tweener in terms of size at 260, so a little bit lighter and... He, he didn't have a great senior bowl against some better competition, but you know, PFF has him as a six rounder. Like I said, there, there are some questions about his athletic profile translating to the NFL, but he had great production. And so maybe this is, you know, a late round edge flyer that they're looking to take because they still need to get better on the edge and they might not be able to take that player early with their approach to free agency. And they have a, a sixth rounder. Uh, in two seventh round picks and how fitting would it be if he fell to round seven in the, the pick that uh, ultimately was the the pick they received for Carlos Dunlap they use on him, you know, or, or on the, a future edge that could potentially uh, contribute at some point. The problem is, is if you're that late in the draft, you're years away from that happening. Uh, so hopefully they sign Kerrigan. That, that's, that's one defensive player I'll get behind. 
I, I'm on the the Kerrigan train. Um, and the other thing, by the way, uh, Alden Smith, my guy, not going to be back in Dallas. A little noteworthy. I don't know if the Bengals are interested, but I am. Hey, Alden, give me a call. All right. There you go. A couple quick notes on the athletic testing for Taron Jackson. He had a really good 40-yard dash for the edge position, but at 6'2", 254 is what he weighed in at. Weighed in at very uh, below average size for the edge rusher. He had a decent bench above average there. Really pretty poor vertical, good broad jump and below average agility testing, which does show up on tape as well. So all that stuff adds up to a late round pick, most likely small school, big production, mediocre athleticism, maybe slightly above average with some good straight line speed. We'll see what happens there. Just thought it was noteworthy because Mark Duffner was down there working him out. And that's two days in a row. I think that was yesterday. So that's two days in a row that the Bengals have had coaches at pro days working a couple guys out. And that's always noteworthy. We always like to talk about that when we do know that's happened. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We're back tomorrow with the weekend mailbag. The weekend mailbag makes its triumphant return after a short hiatus of one week during the freneticism, freneticism of free agency. So when we ask for your questions on Twitter at Lockdown Bengals, Make sure you reply to that tweet with your questions for a chance to have it answered on this week's weekend mailbag. Until then, Bengals fans, a hoot day and have a good one.